At every ARBA convention, we're greeted by a banner that reads, For five days, you don't have to explain to anyone why you raise rabbits. Our hobby sometimes raises eyebrows. You show what? But once you step inside, you'll discover a world full of passionate, interesting people all working toward the ultimate goal, best in show. What can I do for you? Well, I'm looking for a white rabbit. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. If I were looking for a white rabbit, I'd ask the Mad Hatter. Okay, rabbit, you force me to use force. I imagine that right now you're feeling a bit like Alice, tumbling down the rabbit hole. Hmm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Best in Show, the only podcast dedicated to the show rabbit and the show KB industry. My name is Alan Messick. I'm a rabbit judge from California, and I'm joined each and every week with the intrepid and flashy Bryony Smith from Kansas. Bryony, how are you doing? I love your adjectives. <laughs> <laughs> I looked them up. I'm just going to admit it. But you deserve all the adjectives I, I got to refine, and I love using new ones. I love words. Well, thank you. Me too. A, a good vocabulary is a good thing to have. So it. where are you at, Alan? Well, it turns out that I'm about two hours from you, in fact. I am in a hotel room in Tulsa, well, actually Stillwater, Oklahoma, judging the uh, Tulsa area RBA show in honor of the great and legendary Fibber McGee, who we talk about regularly on this podcast. Uh, Deb Morrison is the, the coordinator of that show. She's a former podcast episode guest, and she picked me up today. And uh, so I'm in the hotel room recording a podcast, and uh, I hear you're though two hours for me, but we're not going to see each other. Where are you headed this weekend? Tomorrow morning, I am catching an early flight off to Hartford, Connecticut to judge in West Springfield, Massachusetts. And I am very jealous because that is my hometown, or not my hometown, my home state, Connecticut. When I was a kid, I flew out of Hartford, and what was the only airport around, and I flew to my first Airbnb convention out of Hartford. And I have not been back to New England since uh, pre-pandemic. I haven't seen my family in two years. I really need to get back there. So please, just as I bowed to El Dorado County Fairgrounds, please, <laughs> please pay homage to me when you go back there to New England and say hi to all my old friends. I will do that. I always like going to New England. It's it's an interesting pocket of the rabbit world. Um, you know, there's people all over the country who are friends, but that group just reminds me so much of family. Down, down to, to sometimes the bickering, <laughs> but then anytime, <laughs> anytime anybody needs something, like, like all the rabbit, rabbit people seem to be there. Yeah, you got it. They definitely have their own thing going on up there, and it's been functioning that way for as long as I've been in rabbits, and I certainly I certainly miss those people and being back there. I think maybe the last time I was back there for a show was the convention we did there in 2018 in West Springfield, and, and you're judging in West Springfield, correct? I am. Yeah. Um, the last time I was there to judge was the March before the convention. And I think Randy said that this is Pioneer Valley's first show back again. Really? And the entries are great. They've got 1900. Heck yeah. Hire two more judges. So I love yeah. that. Oh, that's so exciting. Yes. So I'm exciting. excited. Way to go New England. Um, yeah, gosh, I, I miss being there and I miss kind of having the scope of the region you know, and a lot of big breeders have come out of New England. Um, two best in show winners. I am very proud of Connecticut for our best in show winners. We've had two best in show winners, Margot and Bill Scott from Connecticut, and also Jim Bayless, both won best in shows at conventions in the 90s with Satin. So I grew up in the late 90s doing rabbits there, and they were local icons in, in New England and southern New England. And um, I, Bill and Margot are no longer with us, but Jim is still very active showing not only Satins, but very successfully mini Satins as well. Very active and very competitive, yes. He's always um, up there on the best-of-breed table. Um, I think in a convention just previously, he won both satin and mini satin breeds. Yeah, isn't um, that crazy? It, so, yeah, it's, it's good to see breeders keeping up with the times. You know, it, there are some people who kind of seem to get a little stuck. But the but ones the that ones are truly are successful, successful, like Jim, like Jim just, just never quit improving, never quit, improving, never quit, never quit progressing. progressing. And it's, and it's very, very obvious. obvious. 
He is timeless, as you said. We've got to get him on the podcast eventually so he can talk about his best in show back in – I think he won at the Washington State Convention back in the – was it in the early 90s with a black satin. We'll have to get him on the podcast and, and hear from him. Yep, it was 93. Of course you know that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But in this episode, we are going to roll back to 1986. That was the year that our guest this episode, Mary Lou Eisel from Ontario, Canada, joined the ARBA. And before we hear a little bit about what was going on in the ARBA in 1986, uh, here were some world facts, and it was actually a really busy year. In January of 1986, the Space Shuttle Challenger destroyed just after launching from Cape Canaveral, Florida, killing all seven astronauts. The explosion occurred when the fuel tank on the Space Shuttle leaked fuel due to a compromised O-ring. As a result, the Space Shuttle program was suspended for two years following the accident uh, for extensive safety investigations. In April of 1986, the Soviet nuclear reactor at the Chernobyl nuclear power plant exploded in Ukraine and released radioactive material across much of Europe. Uh, only 31 people died in the incident, but there are estimates today that 4,000 people will eventually die due to future or their previous exposure to radioactive material. And, you know, Chernobyl is back on the news as we hear what's going on in Ukraine. And the Russians have, of course, uh, taken the Chernobyl uh, power plant, which is no longer in use. It hasn't been in use since the early 2000s, but um, Chernobyl is back on the radar. And in 1986, that's when Chernobyl became a worldwide uh, name in households across the world. Also in September of 1986, the Oprah Winfrey Show launched for the first time. The Oprah show ran for 25 consecutive seasons until 2011 with more than 4,500 episodes, and the show earned 45 Daytime Emmy Awards during its course. So what was going on in the ARBA in 1986? Well, there um, there were a couple other things that happened in the world that year. Is this, um, when I get, is this when I get schooled on what I forgot to No, on? no. It's a little addition and correction. Do you uh, remember the Space Shuttle Challenger disaster? You're a little younger than I am. Not by much. I, I, I like to know that I'm younger than you, but not by much. <laughs> I, I don't remember it, but I remember, uh, you know, for the five years after that, like when I got into kindergarten, people were still talking about it because it was such an international uh, disaster. Do you remember it? You know, I do. Um, I, I see sometimes posts on Facebook about what are the first big news stories that you remember as a kid. Uh, and I remember yeah. being little and hearing things on the news about like Beirut and savings and loan, but I didn't really understand it. This was the first, I think, big, big news story that I understood. Um, you know, I remember knowing all about it when it happened, you know, watching it on TV, hearing about the teacher in space. Um, I remember watching... Ronald Reagan's speech that night, um, President Reagan. And of course he was an actor, but I, it really made an impact. And to this day, you know, you go back and look at it and, you know, I think one of the reasons that it was such a big deal was because of the teacher in space program. And that speech was really, I think, geared toward and comforting to kids. Um, it was really very memorable. And then years later, I looked back and realized how young I was. I was not in school when this happened. Wow. Um, but I remember it very, very vividly. Um, and there's actually a very nice tribute to those astronauts at the Kansas Cosmosphere in Hutchinson. If anyone is planning to attend any of the upcoming national shows there, again, if you're at all interested, I highly recommend a visit. It's really cool. I will give a nod to Wichita on every time I go there, which is it's been a few times now in the last year I've traveled to Wichita, space really does have an impact on the Wichita area. And I remember this last time I was here, when I was judging with you, actually, we judged together in El Dorado, and I had a ride in the morning to the airport. I passed this uh, old airplane from maybe World War II that had been restored. It was absolutely beautiful, and you could see it from the road in this beautiful glass enclosure, and apparently it still flies. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, pretty cool stuff. It is. Um, also in July of that year, Prince Andrew of the UK married Sarah Ferguson. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it was the same year the UK and France announced plans to construct the Channel Tunnel or the Channel. Have you ever been through that? Yes, yes. Uh, several times I've taken the train through on the Channel uh, with a car, rental car. It's very easy to do. And I've, I've hauled rabbits through the channel, actually. Oh, wow. <laughs> Have you taken it? <laughs> I've not. Um, I've been to the UK, but I've never been across the channel or really onto the continent of Europe. 
Oh, we should do it. I'll, I'll take you because it's just so fun. And I love, I love France. So yeah. we'd have that a blast. That would be fun. Um, and one more little space fact um, in January, this was kind of overshadowed, I'm sure, by the Challenger disaster, but the Voyager 2 space probe made its first counter with the planet Uranus. <laughs> Only you, Brian, you and your space. <laughs> We've had like four spaces in this one, by the way. I know. And if you all think rabbit people are juvenile, you have to be. Animal people are very juvenile. Like all the stuff we, get, we deal with, we just have to laugh. Yes, yes it's so good. All right. <laughs> I believe you have a listener comment for us this week. Yes, I do. This one came via the um, Apple Podcast app. And the title is Our Favorite on the Way to Shows. It's from TZ Bunnies. And it says... My son Tristan and I love to listen to your podcast on our drives to weekend shows. It makes the drive go by faster and builds our excitement for what's to come. I love that. And that really goes hand in hand with some of the last episodes we've, we've done, uh, reaching out to some of the people that maybe are newer in the rabbit and KV industry that are, uh, you know, doing this as a family event. And we love that. So thank you very much for that comment. And we want to remind everyone that you can also leave those comments on whichever platform you listen to the Best in Show podcast, whether that's Apple, whether that's Audible, Spotify, or Google Play. There are ways for you to leave your five-star reviews and comments. We love seeing them, and we do read them each and every episode. And also don't forget that The Rabbitry on Facebook, that's The Rabbitry on Facebook, will serve continually as our hub for the Best in Show podcast. Links to previous episodes, current episodes, and so much more to come for this podcast will be on there with unique photos of our guests, descriptions of what to find in those episodes, and of course, links to whichever platform you decide to listen to podcasts on. And there are several of them. So whether you have an Android, whether you have Apple, or whether you're listening on your desktop when you shouldn't at work, there are loads of ways to listen to the podcast. And we are getting Rabbit and KV people around the world hooked on podcasts, which we absolutely love. So don't forget to follow the Rabbit Tree on Facebook for all of those great links. I can't think of anything more peaceful than sitting down after the chores are done and the animals are fed and just watching them eat and thrive and looking at all the work I've accomplished. Yeah, Brandy, that is a rabbit owner's sign of peace and tranquility. Clean rows of cages full of happy rabbits. Of course, having a well-designed cage makes a huge difference too. I don't think there's a rabbit raiser alive that doesn't yearn to have a rabbitry full of KW advanced design cages, feeders, and nest boxes. That little blue nameplate with a KW bunny logo is how I always can tell that a serious rabbit breeder is in front of me. These are the highest quality cages you can get. They've been around longer than I've been around. KW has been around actually for 45 years and known as one of the most innovative leaders in design and the highest quality of hand craftsmanship in rabbit and KV cages and so much more. Right now, if you order from kwcages.com and use the promo code THERABBITRY, you can receive $10 off on any order over $75. So visit kwcages.com, use the promo code THERABBITRY, and make a purchase over $75, and you can get $10 off. So thank you, KWCages, for sponsoring this episode. On this podcast, we welcome ARBA KV Standards Committee Chair Mary Lou Eisel from Ontario, Canada. She joined the ARBA in 1986 and over the years has raised every ARBA-recognized breed of KV and all varieties of Dutch KVs. Mary Lou crosses international borders by also holding a KV judge license not only in the ARBA, but the Ontario KV Club and the Dominion Rabbit and KV Breeders Association located in Canada. She met her late husband through the KV Fancy, who was also a licensed judge in Canada and the ARBA. Their daughter, Elizabeth, is too an ARBA and OCC KV judge. Supporting the fancy through leadership has been central for Mary Lou over the last 30 years, and she has served countless positions across her organizations, including as director and president of the American KV Breeders Association. Her focus for the last few years in her own breeding program has been on tan Americans and pink-eyed broken American satins, as well as cal Americans, white crested, black Americans, silkies, and silky satins. Her proudest accomplishments at the KV tables include five Best in Shows at the Ontario KV Club conventions, Best in Show at the Royal Winter Fair, Best to Breed American Satin at the 2012 ARBA convention, and Best Opposite Sex of Breed American at the 2018 ARBA convention. Welcome, ARBA KV Judge 815, Mary Lou Eisel from Ontario, Canada. When did you join the ARBA? Oh, I joined the ARBA right after my first convention, which was... 
Ohio. I think that was in 86. And when you got your start, how did you, and you're from Ontario, how did you, you find out about showing KVs? Well, I had a boarding kennel and I had a young man working for me at the time who was the son of a fa uh, family friends who decided he would like to raise KVs and his parents said, you are not having KVs at our house. So he said, could I have the KVs at your house? Could we go partners on this and we'll get rich real fast. And uh, so he went into a local pet shop and found a brochure for the Ontario KV Club. And in that brochure was a lady in uh, Marine City, Michigan, which is very close to us. And she was, he contacted her and she said, well, my daughter's gone off to university and she, um, isn't interested in the KVs anymore like she was. I would like to sell what we have left, which I think was about three dozen KVs and all the cages and all the equipment and food and books and shavings and everything. We paid a hundred dollars for it. And they were show pigs? They were show quality. These were show quality animals. The lady told us that these were wonderful animals and they were amazing. And I thought, well, she wants to sell them. So I'm sure that she's going to sell, tell us a really good story about how great these animals are. There was a Ontario KB Club show that was happening very close to us. So I thought, well, let's just go and see how wonderful these KBs are. Uh, the judge for that show was Dory Wilkins, whose mother was Ray Wilkins, who was one of the premier breeders of Peruvians in Ontario, and it, well, in North America, actually. And um, she came over to us after the show and said, where did you get your Peruvians from? They're amazing. And I thought, well, maybe this lady was actually telling us the truth. So that first show kind of hooked us. Did you win? We won a couple of breeds at that show. Um, Bruce... Eisel was showing at the show and he actually won best in show with his coronet. And, and he is related to you? Well, he <laughs> he wasn't then. He related to me. Um, but I married Bruce in 1989. We got married and had two children. And your daughters are doing what now? Uh, my one daughter is working as with the elderly now, so it's quite a quite a change. My Younger daughter is a new ARBA KV judge. My husband was also an ARBA KV judge. You said something earlier about your husband and you and you're now your daughter judging. What What is that trio in ARBA, like in the, in the history of things? Um, I believe that my daughter is the first, second generation KV judge whose both parents were ARBA KV judges. That's pretty cool. And then it all started at a KV show. Yes. Yeah. So your first show is an Ontario KV, KV club show. Correct. Right? Um, I guess maybe before we get into like how you found out about ARBA, um, can you dive into the, the clubs in, in Canada? You could give us a history lesson and what's going on here okay. for rabbits and KVs. For rabbits and KVs in the province of Ontario. Okay, we have um, two distinct groups for rabbits. Uh, that do both rabbits and KVs. One is the Dominion Rabbit and KV Breeders Association. And while it says Dominion, it's actually very local. It's within 100 miles of the city of Toronto, more or less. Uh, then we have the Ontario Council of Rabbit Clubs, which is a group of ARBA rabbit clubs. Unfortunately, they're kind of shrinking. Uh, used to be several clubs. There was a Lambton County Club, which is my county. That club's gone defunct. The Southern Ontario Club, that was Brampton Meldon's club, it's gone defunct. Kitchener Waterloo Club, which was uh, Bing Harris's club, it's gone. We still have the Four City Club centered in London. That is um, John Richter and Mark Stewartson were the backbone of that club for many years, and Betty Fletcher is sort of taking it over now. And then we have the Eastern Ontario Club, which is still going. So you have Ontario Kitty Club. Right. You have ARBA. And then, is there anything else going on? Well, there's the Ontario KV Club is the third group, and it is just KVs. It's been um, it's been around since the 1950s. It, we have our own standard. Um, we've always been a very progressive club. Uh, we have breeds and color varieties that are not in the ARBA standard are accepted in Ontario. Examples um, of that would be um, alpacas which we call bouclets. Uh, we have merinos, which is a, a 
Texel with a crest. We have um, satin cresteds. We allow self-cresteds as opposed to just white cresteds. So you have more breeds? We have more breeds. Um, we had Tans and Martins before they were accepted in the Arba Standard. We had Cal's before they were accepted in the Arba Standard. Do you have a licensing procedure to be a judge? We do now. That's fairly new to have a licensing. The licensing process within OCC is fairly new. Um, it used to be breeders, and we, the members would ballot on a list of breeders that they wish to have judge their shows. So it sounds a little similar to how judges are selected in England. Very well. Canada is a member of the British Commonwealth, so we are very much, um, our, our whole pattern of our KB shows has been formatted from, our, from England. Um, the Ontario KB Club shows that exist today, who's judging those? It's a group of people that are on the list. They're approved to be on the list by the board. We have one person on that list who is actually an Ontario KB Club licensed judge. And that's Erica Leslie. She's fairly new in the fancy. She's licensed with? Ontario KB Club only. Oh, I thought you said that they were selected by breeders. Yes, but she, we have just have a new licensing process and she is the first and only licensed judge. Okay. The um, rest of our judges were grandfathered in and are voted upon. Understood. Can you briefly tell us how you would become a licensed or Ontario KB Club judge? Yeah, to get your Ontario KB Club license, you have to sec show secretary at a number of shows, which shows that you know what the show process is, how, how it runs, how it works. You also have to um, write at shows, which also teaches you how shows work. You uh, take a test and you do apprentice under judges. That's brilliant. So it's probably about a two-year process to get your license. Do you have to be a registrar or some kind of, you know, under-license, understudy first? No. Um, to get an ARBA license, I think it would take less time to become a brain surgeon. <laughs> no, come on, it's honest. Like, you... Well, with Ontario too, you have to be a member of a couple of years before you get, yeah, so it's not quite as short as I said. But you've got your, you have to be a member for a certain amount of time with ARBA, okay. Then you have to take your registrar test. Then you have to register the 15 KBs or 25 rabbits. Then you have to wait until there are two candidates to take the test or go to an ARBA convention to take the test. And then you have to do your eight assists. So it is quite a lengthy process. Are there ARB licensed judges that are currently judging for your Ontario? Yes, there are. Um, Jim Hop is on the is on our ballot, and he and I take turns being who's the top voted judge in in Ontario. I think right now, oh, John Soper's on our list too. Um, we put in a membership clause a few years ago, and that's really hurt us because we had James Goodrich on our list and John Bachman on our list, and. It just gets to the point where you cannot afford or you have other things you would rather spend your money on than club memberships. And if you have to pay to join a club to go up and judge one show a year, do you really want to do that? And those Ontario KB Club shows are not sanctioned with ARBA? No, you cannot get an Ontario KB Club's ARBA sanctioned because we are not an ARBA club. Same with Dominion, none of the Dominion shows are ARBA sanctioned. Dominion also has a licensing process for KBs and judges. Can you explain KB that? KB and rabbit judges. No, I cannot explain that because I don't, I don't know the process. Are you involved in any Dominion clubs um, or shows? I normally judge one show a year. Uh, they too have that membership clause where you have to be a member to judge for them and you have to pay a license fee. To be a licensed judge with Dominion, um, were you grandfathered in? I, because Liz Voigt and I rewrote the KB judge test and the board felt that I should still write the test, Liz said that's not really necessary, so I received an abbreviated form of the test in which I wrote. I am, I'm a licensed KB judge with ARBA, Ontario KB Club, 
and Dominion Relevant KB Breeders Association. And with the Dominion license, are you KB only or are you allowed to also judge rabbits? Oh, I'm KB only with Dominion and with Arba. And okay. of course, OCC is just KBs. Um, with the OCC show or the club, what's what's your biggest show of the year? Could you Is there a convention equivalent? Yeah, we have a, a convention show in the spring. We try to spread it around a little bit in our, in our area of operation. Even though we call ourselves a Terry KB club, nobody lives up in the far north. So it's just in southwest Ontario. Um, we had just over 400 animals at our convention show this year. All from Canada? No, they were not all from Canada. They were from, um, well, we had Ontario, exhibitors from Ontario, Quebec, Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York. What inspires someone from the States to come over and show pigs at that show? Because the people in the United States realize what a wonderful, amazing group of people we are in Canada and how much fun we are. Why? It really is true because our shows, they, our shows are more fun. We're, we're not as um, competitive, I guess I should say. Uh, we have, we don't have a real sweepstakes program. We do to a certain extent, but the, um, a lot of Americans are very sweepstakes oriented. But you have a best in show? Oh, of course right? we have a best in show. So it's competitive? Oh, it's competitive, right. How is the quality? Um, that depends on who the exhibitor is. If you were judging, that, if you had that, to judge that's, every pig that's in the not show. A, that's not a fair question. <laughs> All right, but say, say you were judging the whole show. You had right, days to correct. do it. Would you think that the would you expect the quality to be better there or at a at a specialty ACBA specialty? The quality that we're finding in Ontario right now is competitive with um, other shows, but then we have people like myself, like Denise Robertson, like Heather Boxsmith, who do go and compete at um, big American specialty and convention shows. What breeds do really well? In the OCC and ARBA? Americans, Peruvians, uh, probably your top most so competitive breeds right now. It wouldn't matter where you were living. Oh, yeah. it depends very much. It depends on where you are. You get to areas of the country where teddies are exceedingly strong. You get another area where white crescents are exceedingly strong. It's, it's very localized by who is working and who has put a lot of effort and often a lot of expense into the animals to get the quality. In your in your experience right now, what are the what what breed has the best quality in Ontario? I would have to say the smooth coat breed, and we do call them smooth coats. We don't call them Americans. Could those smooth coats compete as Americans in U.S.? Of course, they they can and they do. Okay. Um, What's going on in the rest of Canada? You can talk about B.C. Okay. compared to Ontario, compared to Quebec. And I don't know if you have much experience about what's going on in like New Brunswick and, and up there. But... Yeah, I've got, there's a couple of people that I kind of mentor a little out in Eastern Canada. Um, there's a, they are both working a lot with 4-H and trying to include for more 4-H activity. 4-H uh, in Canada is essentially flat as far as rabbits and cavies are concerned. I think there's a lot of potential there that we could tap into that we don't. Um, as far as shows, they do fair shows, they do um, the odd Arba show. Uh, Quebec has the two groups here. We have the ARBA shows and we have the Quebec group shows. You get out Manitoba, it's pretty flat right now. Saskatchewan's pretty flat. There was a thriving KB uh, group out in Alberta for a long time. They hosted the ACBA specialty show. The only time the ACBA specialty show has not been in uh, the lower 48 was when it was in Canada. When was that? That would have been the year after the specialty show out in California. That was, I think, in 88. Wow. So I believe it was, I think, believe it was in 89 that they did so the specialty show. Yeah, it's been, it's been almost 30 years. Yeah, we don't talk about that. Um, British Columbia, strictly Arbor shows. 
Browns and Cabies. Anything going on in the Northern Territories? Um, I think they like to survive up there. <sighs> like, I, mean, I haven't heard of anybody up there raising rabbits or cabies, really. Nothing. Is there any connection with, um, with the clubs in Quebec versus Ontario in terms of going back and forth? Like, if you're, if you're a, a Dominion judge, might you be useful in Quebec? They don't do Dominion shows in Quebec. So it's um, strictly pro it's pro by province. Right. Um, Quebec has done a Drummondville show. They have done Ontario KB Club shows. Um, people in Quebec are, it's a KB show, let's go and do it. They don't care if it's a Dominion show or an OCC show or a Arba show. If there's a KB show and it's in their area, it's doable, let's go do it. Uh, Ontario people tend to be much more club affiliated. They will only show for one group. You get some who cross over. Like Bill Gardhouse is a classic example. I'm sure you know Bill. Uh, he won ARBA convention with New Zealand many years ago. He is a Dominion judge. He shows Dominion. He shows Arba. He just likes to show his rabbits. And the rabbits are obviously competitive with both, with both groups. Right. The, the standards in um, Dominion and then for your Ontario club, are they similar to ARVA? The Dominion club uses the Ontario KB club, KB standard. They have their own rabbit standard. Do you, I don't know how much you know about rabbits, but have you looked at it and do you know about it similar to us? I have looked at the standard, but I have not compared the standard to the ARVA rabbit standard. Tell us how pigs are tagged, or how, how pigs are identified in ARBA, and then how KBs are tagged with the other clubs. Okay, ARBA shows KBs all have to be legibly earmarked. They can be tagged or they can be tattooed. Tattoo is not really useful in most KBs because of their skin color. Um, Ontario KB Club and Dominion do not tag KBs. We use a piece of ear tape, a piece of tape with their coop number, they're assigned a coop number. That coop coop number is put on it, written on the tape, and it is put on their ear. The rabbits are uh, sharpied. Their so, coop number is sharpied in their ear. So identity and the premise for why we have permanent tattoos is not as important. Well, if you know your animals, like I can reach into a pen of blacks, and people will say, "Oh, the blacks all look alike." I can pull out the one I want because I know what my animals look like. Um, I think original premise was a lot of people were, particularly with cavies, you would have a breeding unit of 50 pigs. As long as it was a black, who cared? So it didn't matter what tattoo it had. Right. Do you notice a difference or a struggle that cavy uh, breeders face um, if they're moving into like the ARBA sector and they come from, you know, the, the local... I think the biggest hurdle to overcome is that a ear tag will not kill your guinea pig. It doesn't hurt them. But it might hurt the show and potential because do you have breeders that don't show? We have, we have breeders who refuse to tag, who refuse if there is an ARBA show. Um, they will not enter or show because they're, they don't, will not tag. I have sold cavies to people who want to show who have removed the tag because they don't want that offending thing in their animal's ear. Hmm. It's very different. Um, yeah. Do you think there's a place for those three clubs? Dominion, Ontario, and ARBA? Is there, is there a reason to have three? I don't know as if there's any particular reason to have three clubs in Ontario, except it's just tradition. Uh, you get, I don't know, it's just what do the they way it's always been. Yeah. There's that way in rabbits and cages, yes, isn't there? Yes. Um, what, do, what do they say about, the, the, are there some people that are strictly only going to show in Dominion or OCC? 
yes, there are people who will not show at Arba shows who are very adamant that they will never show at Arba. And their excuse is always the ear tagging. They don't want to ear tag. Do they know your history? I mean, you're pretty famous in the ARBA. Do yes. they Do they think of you negatively in some regard because of your adherence to our group? Yes, and I know I'm going to take a lot of flax when I'm off judging an Arbor show in Ontario and not going to an Ontario KB Club show in Ontario. What will they say? Oh, she look at her, she's gone all Arba on us. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. yeah. So that's happened before? Oh yes, many times, yes. And it's, it's the main difference is the tagging? I, that seems to be the main hurdle that people don't want to go through. Uh, overcome is the ear tagging. It, it, do you feel like it's maybe a sense of pride as well? Are, are they married to... Oh, to a certain extent, of course. I, I hadn't thought about that angle, but um, there are some people that this is on in Ontario, this is Ontario, we are Canada, we are going to do things our way. We are not going to allow ourselves to be influenced by the Americans. Harsh, isn't it? So, what happened to you? But my, well, I think I must have been I must have been born with a French spirit because if it's a KB show I'm going to go. It's a KB show. I don't care <laughs> if it's an Arba show or a Dominion show or an OCC show. Well, if I'm free, I'll go. What was your first ARBA show? Might have been specialty. Might have been a specialty. So you were serious about KBs by the time you decided to go. If it was a specialty that you were going to go to. Well, you get hearing about. Well, there's these big shows on the stage, and you've got to go because you see all these wonderful things, and so we, yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember your first reaction when you went to a, a show in Arabia? My, my first reaction, I remember was convention because it's just there is a sea of rabbits, That's just thousands. You can't imagine what a building full of fifteen thousand rabbits looks like until you've actually seen it. Did it have an effect on you? Yeah, I wanted to go and do more. Yeah, yeah. So it worked? Of course. Yeah, that's cool. When did you become ACBA president? I guess I would have taken over in 2010 as ACBA president. I was president for four years. Has there ever um, been a president from Canada in the past of ACBA? No. You were the first? Yes. Did you get any flack from Americans being Canadian? Um, to a certain extent. What happened? Um, uh, particularly from out west, there were people saying, we don't want some Canadian being president of our club. And then they kind of realized, she's doing a good job. Maybe that was not such a bad idea. And you were already doing more ARBA. Correct? In ACBA? Correct. So it wasn't like you were a foreigner. Even though I'm a foreigner. Even though you're a foreigner. You were, I mean, I didn't even know you were Canadian when I first, I first thought My Canadian. accent didn't give me away. I, I, did, I knew your name before I ever knew who you were. <laughs> so, I mean, I just, I was like, wow, she's Canadian and she's, I thought it was cool. Like, I, but I, mm -hmm. I come from a different, like, logic. So I, I thought it was amazing, but I didn't know. I mean, to me, everyone's the same thing. So. Um, Bingo. Yeah. Yeah. We're all the same. We're here because we like furry little rodents. Yes. Yeah. Even though some of them are like morphs. Do you have a... Um, if you could I, I make the ideal KV and rabbit community and you have Canadians and Americans, what, what, what would it look like? I don't know if I have enough imagination to answer that question. <laughs> would you like us all to be in one building? Um, that would be lovely, but it would never work. We're just too we're, too, we're too different. When people become passionate about something, they often direct that passion in a negative manner, which is rather unfortunate. If we could direct our passion in a positive manner, we would all get along much better. If you could tell ACBA members about why you go and still continue on with OCC and where you began and, and the Dominion, what would you, what would you tell them? What, what would be your greatest experience to, that you wish that ACBA members could, could
could experience? Oh, it has to be our LCC convention. Because? So, because of the camaraderie. It's the people. If it was just the animals, I would not have stayed in the fancy this long. It's the people. I can go to nearly any state in the United States, walk up, knock on a door, and have a bed for the night. And I've had it happen. We were stranded once in southern tier in New York. A car broke down, there were no motel rooms. And Bruce, this was before we had cell phones, he called, found a phone, called Winona Criddle. She said, where are you? I'll be there in an hour. Took us back to her house and we spent the night at her house and she took us back to get our car when it was fixed. That's cool stuff. Yeah. Do you hope to be doing this for a while longer? As long as I enjoy it, I'll be doing it. Huh. That's great. Anything else you want to say? Probably not. <laughs> Alan, thanks for that great interview with Mary Lou. It's always interesting to hear about show systems and uh, participation in other countries, especially our neighbor to the north, Canada. Yeah, it's a pretty cool relationship. And I have to admit that I didn't know exactly what was going on between Canada and U.S., this longstanding relationship between not only cavies and rabbits, but, you know, you and I were there at the 2000 convention in Columbus, Ohio, when a Canadian won Best in Show in the open competition with a white New Zealand that was William Guardhouse. So the relationship with Canada and the United States is an ongoing one, and we are like one big rabbit and cavey family. So it was great to hear Mary Lou's take on, on this and to fill us in on, on exactly what's going on behind the scenes on the Ontario side. Yes, it was. And in fact, Mary Lou is actually not the first Canadian chair of the KV Standards Committee. I pulled out a standard from 1986, and the chair at the time was Neen Lund from Canada. And members included Alan Oberly from Massachusetts, Mary Lou's late husband, Bruce Eisel from Canada, Harry Klaus from Pennsylvania, Frank Simmons from Texas, Julie Wright from California, and Waldemar Perez from California or from Colorado. And there has actually been an open KV Best in Show winner from Canada as well. A, a caviary called Taurus Cavies from Canada won Best in Show in 1975 with an Abyssinian, the second year that this award was given. Oh, that's way cool. Way back in the 70s. So, yeah, Canada's had a long-standing relationship with, with us and a very successful one. And we're going to continue in our education segment for this episode uh, related to cavies. We have a lot of KV uh, listeners that tune in each and every week for Best in Show, and cavies are a very, very important part of the ARBA and what we do. And... Well, I'm kind of into the academia world right now, as as you are always, but um, because I'm earning my master's degree, I have links to uh, some academic journals that I otherwise wouldn't, and I decided to look up some academia with cavies for this education uh, portion of our podcast, and I found an article. Uh, it was actually published in the Journal of Comparative Psychology from the American Psychological Association in 2013, and the title of this article is Learning and Personality Types are related in cavies, and the authors come from Germany. So it's actually really interesting. It's a long article. I'm going to paraphrase and just read from bits of it. But the researchers or the authors of this article say, we tested whether three personality traits that include boldness, activity, and aggressiveness are correlated within individual learning, associative learning speed, and behavioral flexibility as assessed by reversal learning within wild cavies. We found strong positive relationships between all personality traits and learning speed. So again, this study tests personality traits and its correlation to the quickness of learning. And they found that flexibility was negatively associated with aggressiveness. And our results support their early hypothesis that performance reflects individual differences in personality in a predictable way. So this is a human kind of paper, but cavies were used as the subjects. And I'm going to read a little bit farther in here to tell you exactly how this experiment went down. So the experiments were held or carried out in Germany with wild cavies derived from a domestic breeding stock established at the Department of Behavioral Biology at a university in Germany. And those cavies actually were kept there in a breeding facility since 1981. And they had permission from, of course, the lab and those breeders to, to 
continue with this uh, test. Uh, the researchers go on to say that male juvenile cavies were subsequently separated from the group and integrated into already existing groups of male cavies of the same age to prevent inbreeding. And the housing conditions simulated natural conditions or natural environments, which young females mostly stay with their young, as we know as cavy enthusiasts and breeders that mom cavies stay with their babies. And young males have a tendency to lead their group but have like a roaming strategy amongst each other. So we're going to continue on to look at how exactly they per pulled off this, this personality test on cavies. So for training, one cylinder containing a small piece of cucumber, because we know cavies love their fresh greens, uh, that piece of cucumber was placed in the center of the arena where the cavies were kept. And the cavies could smell the cucumber through small holes in the middle of the cylinder, but could not immediately reach it as the top of the cylinder was closed with a plug. To access the reward of this cucumber, the cavies had to knock over the cylinder. Cavies advanced into the associative learning task when they successfully knocked over the cylinder in three consecutive trials. Training uh, sessions consisted of four subsequent trials of 15 minutes each per day. So one of the big things that these researchers were studying was aggressiveness. And so they have an aggressiveness task. Aggressiveness behavior of each KV was assessed during two consecutive counters with unfamiliar KVs, so KVs that didn't know each other. Because the behavior of the focal KV in this task might be influenced by the behavior of the stimulus KV, we chose one very bold, active adult male, sounds like an Abyssinian, and one very shy less active adult male as the stimulus cavies. And again, they were confronted with each other uh, for 15 minutes each day. So the uh, paper goes on and, and talks a lot about uh, some more uh, quantitative measures uh, within the test, but I'll get to the conclusions to talk about what their findings actually came up with. So taken together, relationships among attention, personality, and learning are essential mechanisms for behavioral adaptation. Individuals of several species differ consecutively or consistently in how flexibility or how flexibly they can react to environmental changes. And these differences in flexibility are related to differences in personality. Again, this is a personality test. Several studies have shown in a relationship between personality traits and behavioral flexibility measured as a reversal to learning speed. That was found in a study uh, in 2012, actually. Those same researchers in 2012 found a negative relationship. Here comes the results. Found a negative relationship between neophobia and reversal learning speed within and between two species of Darwin finches. Uh, those finches showed an exploration tendency that's related to behavioral flexibility in such a way that slow exploring birds, so birds that didn't quite uh, maybe... They weren't the first one to the worm, let's say that, were quicker to reverse a previously learned rule than fast exploring birds. These uh, similar researchers demonstrated that non-aggressive male mice react more flexibly to small changes in their environment than aggressive males. The researchers conclude that behavioral flexibility is likely to be costly because responding adaptivity to change in the environment requires sufficient information gathering. Acquiring information improves the accuracy of decisions, but at the same time, generating trade-offs between speed and accuracy. In conclusion, our data supports, after looking at these KVs, that risk-prone lifestyle also leads to expression of fast cognitive type. If so, cognitive abilities should be integrated into general framework aiming to explain the existence of maintenance of animal personalities. What do you think about that? Did they find that Abyssinians were the most aggressive? <laughs> you know, they actually do list the type of KV they use, but it's it's in Latin and it's in parenthetically wild KV. So I don't know if it was an Abbey, but I would imagine if they were going to really study aggression, I don't have a lot of KV experience, but yes, it would be an Abbey that would be the perfect uh, subject for these tests. Yeah, I don't know a whole lot about KVs either, but what I do know is their reputation would kind of equate to like Britannia Petites or Czech Giants in the rabbit world. Yeah, yeah. Let's face it. If we're going to do an aggression test on, on personality types and rabbits, 
where Tanya Petit is going to be number one. So <laughs> we can put that into rabbit terms, everyone, if you're familiar with those. So, yeah, Petit's right there at number one. Maybe a number two would be a checker giant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, Brandy, that wraps up episode 37 of Best in Show. Do you have a quote for us today? I do. This one comes from Justin Trudeau, our favorite um, thirst trap neighbor from the north, once previously ranked number three on the hottest heads of state list. It says, the relationship between Canada and the United States serves as a model for the world. Our shared values, deep cultural ties, and strong integrated economies will continue to provide the basis for advancing our strong and prosperous partnership. And I think this applies to the rabbit world as well. I was going to say, I think that the ARB president could have written that. It would have been completely applicable to our relationship with our Canadian partners just to the north, whether it's rabbits or cavies. Great quote. All right, everyone, don't forget, talk rabbits and talk cavies. While this podcast would not be possible without the American Rabbit Breeders Association, it does not constitute an official communication of the association. The information, viewpoints, and opinions expressed herein are those of the hosts and our guests and are not endorsed by the ARBA. To learn more about the ARBA, please visit www.arba.net.